Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And here we are for the final time in 2022 for the fifth and last NRL podcast. Boxhead, it's been a weird few years, but a bit of normality came back to us this year. Uh, another good season of the NRL, the World Cup. Now wrapped up and we'll finish things off here tonight and head into a bit of a break until we return next year, 2023, to do as we always do and look forward to another big season of the NRL. We will, yep. Uh, But tonight, pretty simple, Uh, quick review of the World Cup final. I think it's obviously a few days past now. Uh, Most people don't really need a whole lot on that side of things. I think it was pretty straightforward we've got your final fan questions for the year and any little bits of nrl news or news in rugby league to wrap up and then we'll ride off into the sunset with a few thank yous and finish things up sounds good Alrighty, so let's jump in with that world cup final australia world cup winners uh retaking the title there and surely moving back into the number one ranking 30 to 10 over samoa the jillaroos also big win in the women's world cup uh, over the Kiwi Ferns, so Australia double wins. Um, but this one, Brock, as we said, I think for Samoa was an outstanding achievement from the way things started to the injuries. No one had to deal with more during the campaign. Uh, the result was huge for them, but uh, as expected, a bridge too far in the final game. Yeah, that's probably a good way to describe it, a bridge too far. it was. They were just outclassed, particularly in the middle of the field. And you look at some of the tries that Australia scored, they were... Very, very simple, and in situations where, yeah, your New Zealand and your England aren't probably giving up tries like that. Uh, I think the first try to the troll, like Australia went down a short side. They actually didn't have numbers there. Uh, and it's pretty clear Australia were trying to spot Milford and just trying to get him one-on-one or get Australian players one-on-one with him, and they got a little bit of love off that. And then the, the other couple of tries, they just rolled through the middle, popped them through the middle, and... Yeah, I, I don't know. If you if you really want to gauge the level of international footy, like you'd probably have to compare that the intensity and quality of that game to a Origin decider. And I, I think we could all probably agree it's a it's a peg below that. Uh, but that's not to take anything away from what Samoa did. I think we probably got our best two games in the semi-finals, which is what we probably expected. And the final, yeah, it was non-competitive, but. It was a bit of a celebration of footy that Samoa were able to get there and they're the first or well, the first Pacific nation to reach a World Cup final, which is, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, and I was a little bit surprised probably by Parrish after. I think he's been really, really good throughout and that, but I, I definitely don't agree on the side of things that that should have been a send-off for the elbow. That was a moment for a lot of people. I thought it was just a bit careless on reflection. Um, I understand also the frustration earlier. There was a 40-20 in the third minute or a kick that would have been a 40-20 and Tedesco put his foot on the line, but live call, the touch, he missed it. But um, I, I dare say again... Without, yeah, that was that was the wrong call. Yeah, without without denying those moments, I I didn't really feel like they threatened Australia at all. 
after the first 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes was that... Oh, I thought they went with him, yeah, for, for probably until yeah. that first try. Yeah, they were in the cycle. <clears throat> they met him physically. They sort of had that challenge that like we thought. They did their job in yardage and they were they were there. But once it, uh, they sort of popped him and we, we talked about it, can they go for 80 minutes? Can they defend for 80 minutes? Can they tighten things up? Because they obviously leaked against England in the oh, definitely in the first game, but particularly even in the second game there, which led it to go to extra time. But... <clears throat> Yeah, um, as the game just wore on, it it become exactly what you'd sort of expect from those guys that you're talking about who have played in those origins and that higher level of football, probably across the board more on the Australian side of things, and they just chewed them up. They got caught in yardage. They did a good job shutting down the back three, To'o, Suwali, and May, who certainly tried awfully hard. They were kicking off the back foot, and when you just kind of get caught in that washing machine, you can't get out of it. Um, you know, you get a little bit desperate, and even their, their tries themselves, like Crichton's moments, just another individual moment of brilliance where he's read Hunt's eyes and what he was going to do and snatched that football. And the second one we had a look at just a moment ago again is Luttrell trying to solve something on his own that he didn't need to and essentially created the overlap there for Brian Toto to score. But good on Luai, he, he risked it to get the biscuit, which clearly they needed something to happen at the time. Um, yeah, it was an ordinary read. Yeah, real, realistically, the two tries they constructed very easily um, could have been stopped or prevented, but... For Australia, uh, I still don't think really on their side of things that they ever got to their best level of football in terms of cohesion or the way they played together. The Munster-Cleary thing still looked a bit odd um, in terms of how they played together. Munster sort of free-wheeled. Cleary certainly answered any doubters with his finest performance. He, he threw some really, really nice passes. His goal-kicking was still awful, but um, certainly put his stamp on the game. But overall, I think the real positive, if you're on the Australian side of things, is they blooded a hell of a lot of new players. It's been a long time, like we said, between drinks and the tournament and getting to the point they've got to now. So they've, they've ushered in a fair bit for that new new wave or that new generation of player. Um, and I just thought overall, yeah, it was a pretty solid performance by everybody. You see, again, why Tedesco is the player that he is. Outstanding in all the big games and in the finals. He was huge. Nat, like we said, was good. Latrell had some moments, but um, yeah, the, the bench... Point of difference, and probably another point that we talked about that last game. Thought that New Zealand probably had us in the middle, but Australia this game better in the middle, which unlocked Harry Grant. He was good off the bench, had some good moments. Carrigan, Cam Murray again, and yeah, we even look at the try he scored. Like, yeah, goes down a short side. They had numbers, man on numbers, and he they just didn't go in on their inside shoulder. And yeah, he, he got to ground the ball in what was a pretty simple try. Mm. Um. So overall, like I said, full credit to Samoa to lose the players they did. And then even in game again, when we talked about going with the hooker in Chanel Harris-DeVito, who was a guy who's played in the halves or played a bit of fullback. Milford had to move there and still defend on the edge as well. They sort of plugged that hole up. But um, yeah, best way to describe it, as we said, pre-game is probably a bridge too far. And it's really summed up again with the way you get your points and then a moment when they had them down to 12 and you thought, if there's ever a time to pull yourself back in the game, it's here and they pop Milford again when Cleary just skips across and puts Murray on his outside. But that was the big talking point we had pre-game. We knew they needed to be better defensively. We knew they needed to play for 80 minutes, cycle, do a lot of yardage and defend well. But that space that we talked about them attacking was certainly the point of difference. They got him inside, outside. They made Sewer, Crichton and the defenders around him have second guesses or hold or jam or come in. And that was definitely the spot they wanted to get to. And yeah. it paid off. It really did pay off. So full credit. To the Australian side, uh, World Cup champions, and to the Jewelers again, like we said, tight game early on with the Kiwi fans, but absolutely blew them off the park in the final. Big win for them. So double wins uh, on the Australian side of things. But Samara, again, history-making, outstanding. Um, 
can't say enough about that group. Papali'i, Paulo, etc. Those guys thought Sua, Luai all stood up. And then, like I said, the late, the late inclusions from the English group, Yusau, Yulafai, I know probably the final wasn't their, their biggest game, but um, their contributions were good. And I guess I look at Suali'i Sua, Sua, in a different sort of light without the Roosters set up. Playing at one, there's still a lot that needs to be added to his game. But for his age, he's at a, he's at a very high level already. Mm. So there's a lot of positives on that side for them. Um, probably a, a talking point off that, I'll leave it. The fan questions, there's a lot of people asking about eligibility and thoughts after it and origin, etc. This, that, and the other. There's been a bit of news this afternoon. There's been a bit of talk about that. So we'll talk about it when we get to it. But overall, thoughts on the World Cup? Um, I, I... Oh, it's, it's difficult. Difficult time zone, difficult to... Yeah, just get to watch all the games in full. It was it wasn't the ideal time, so I didn't I didn't probably consume as much as what I would have if it was in Australia. But I enjoyed having the extra footy on. I, I do I do think it's it's a lot to ask of the players. Like the players are just are going to be coming back now, and it's the end of November, and they're going to be expected to start playing games again in February, and then we're going to have an extended season next year. I think yeah. I, the player, the player, the loads we're putting on players have never been higher. I think that we're asking more of them in training. The intensity of the games, uh, well, the speed of the games gone up. I yeah, I just worry a little bit about how long how long the modern player is going to be able to play, or how long they're actually going to get in the game. Uh, you know, we have we currently got too much footy. I think we probably have, and I thought you saw the byproduct of that at the back end of the World Cup because I don't think if we're if we're being honest with ourselves, the quality of the games in the World Cup were probably nowhere near an NRL or a state of origin standard of football. Mm. That'd be that'd be my takeaway. Was it enjoyable? Was it good for international footy? Definitely. Definitely. But I yeah, I, can we can we shorten our season when we've got a World Cup? Is is there a way to do that? I, I don't I don't know. When's the best time for it? How do we, you know, how do we best play it? Because I mean, if it's in Australia, you're going to be not that we've had a hot summer or hot spring, anyway. But it's it's played during a time of the year where it's traditionally quite hot. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably it probably has to be at the end of the year. There's no other real window for it. We do it once every four years. Maybe in that season we try and shorten the NRL and the Super League up by a month. Well, I think the big question that is a lot of people are saying, like, we want more footy, we've got to squeeze it in, we have to stop the seasons, or we have to do got, something. We're getting, we're getting too much footy. The, it's, it's too much footy. The big point here for a lot of people, obviously, is the NRL and Origin are the two dominant forces, and they generate the money, and they're the big league, and they sort of dictate the calendar. So unless there's a way to <clears throat> shrink the NRL calendar, make up the difference in TV product for Channel 9 and other broadcasters, Fox, etc., to still pay the difference for international games in exchange for less NRL games, etc. I think that's sort of the point they need to get to. Because right now, when a lot of people go, we've got to do this, we've got to squeeze that in, we've got to make it all fit, I think the broadcasters, realistically, as we see right now, they want their 24 rounds of football, they want as many games as they want, there's more teams, there's more product, there's origin. To fit the international game in, I think it's only going to come in time when we get the competition to a point where everyone can play everyone once, maybe. Um, so I'd say maybe when you get to 20 teams with a buy and then introduce sort of a month there or something way to supplement the difference because that's the big talking point around everything. And unfortunately, that's what everything revolves around is the TV deal and the money because that's pretty much the lifeblood of rugby league. Mm. Um, But yeah, a lot of people 
obviously I see that side of it and I completely get the argument for it. But yeah, it is very hard to float that. All-Stars games, trial games, the you know the World Club Challenge came up with the Panthers players and the talk about that today being an issue with the player welfare, the break, having come back in time. Um, there's certainly a lot around it. And I think you're probably right. I think at the moment, we probably do too, too much football. Um, that's, so, my, that's my humble. You know, I love football, don't get me wrong. But I think similar deal to you. I, I Until we get to a point maybe where we get to 20 teams and we can play everybody once, possibly with a buy, I'll play a rivalry game and have 20 games in one buy and shorten the season maybe in terms of a whole by four or five weeks and then squeeze in internationals along with Origins as normal. Yeah, but as we continue to expand, I don't think we can keep adding more rounds or more games and keep the calendar as is. It's very tight. It's hard to work around. And yeah, sure, once every four years you can back it up, but I think it's exacerbated this year um, in terms of what you're saying, the quality and the fatigue of the players because of what we had the last two years. We had COVID stoppage, COVID startup, finish that, roll into an origin, short pre-season, into another full season, grand final, World Cup, like it's all sort of been backed up and rolled into one another. So I'm, I'm very interested in this season because I think this may be the slowest, the most awkward start and possibly one of the opportunities to have the most injuries. I think there's going to be a huge effect. And we've already seen it with pre-seasons. I've seen lots of faces that are unfamiliar. There's probably more training trials than there's ever been. There's couple of teams that are doing joint sessions very very early just to make up some numbers to probably get a bit of quality across the sessions it's going to be a very very different preseason and possibly a very different start to the season for the NRL this year hmm. um, big time in terms of the effect of the volume of players that haven't been around so yeah quite interesting that but moving on from the World Cup side of things uh, I'll do the news stuff first and then we'll finish off with fan questions how about that we'll go that way terms of any news or anything that sort of popped up in the last week in terms of club stuff, it's very close to being announced, but it's pretty much over the line. The Roosters will extend Sam Walker uh, up until 2025. So they're very happy with themselves about that piece of news. I guess the question on the flip side, Kiri finished the year quite well, still got two years to run. A lot of talk now, again, with Suali'i. Manu's obviously signed on long-term. What would you think in terms of the Roosters planning? Are you sticking with Kiri? Or do you think if they have another injury sort of checked year this year or some issues that they might look to maybe get him to finish up a year early or try and move Manu and get so like try to find a way to rejig things? Or do you think they will... I think they'll just wait and see how it plays out naturally. Because mm. Kiri, on best form, like he's he's been a pretty key ingredient in them winning back-to-back competitions. Mm. His so, back end when he was healthy and in form was great. I think... Yeah, I think it'll work itself out naturally. I, I think there's no doubt that if he suffers a few more head knocks, he's... I don't think the Roosters will have to do anything. I think naturally he'll just... He'll retire or he'll... Yeah, be given medical advice to retire. So, yeah, I, 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 I really don't think it's the place of the Roosters to be... Particularly in Luke Curie's situation, to be for, looking to move him out. No, I don't, I don't mean that regard. I mean more salary cap or health. Like he's yeah, had... but they've put themselves in this situation by having those players. They knew that Suoliti wanted to play fullback. They knew that Marnie wanted to play fullback. So, and they've got Tedesco. So, I mean, they're in a position which a lot of clubs would envy. So, I don't particularly feel sorry for them. No. Nah. But naturally, they, the Roosters always work it out. Like Trent Robinson's as astute as anyone in the game. They recruit better than everyone in the game. They're more attractive than most clubs in the game. So 
I don't think they're going to have any issues. No, I certainly don't feel sorry for them. Just looked at it and thought, well, Walker's obviously what they're hoping for long term. They've adjusted around it, but naturally the push and pull that's going to come with those few quality players. I think this year there's a very easy way to make it work, much like they did last year. Kiri's form back end when he was healthy, he was outstanding. He, he played some really, really good football. Manu on that sort of floating role. Suoliti off the wing. I think there's room there with the I, work. No, I, I tend to agree. I disagree. I, I thought they were underwhelming this year, the Roosters. I think they're in a position at the moment where they've got too many cooks. It looks like they're trying to fit too many players into, too many, into those key positions. I think they need to work it out. They need to work out what the plan is moving forward and adapt accordingly and go into the season with a clear mindset around who's going to play where and hope that from a fitness perspective that they can keep everyone on the field. Well, that was probably what I was going to say. I think the bigger point for them was they couldn't get everyone on the field until it was too late and they needed to go on a run. They did go on a run and then they sort of burnt most of their gas just getting themselves into the finals. But I thought that run on the back end there, Kiri sort of took control Walker more supplemented what he did. Manu found a way to involve himself. Tedesco was obviously great as well. And I, I guess Suoliti, whether he's happy or not with his role at his age, is a different story. But having him and having Tupo on the wings, hell of a job out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. But Well, the reason that clubs get themselves into trouble is because they make promises that sometimes they don't keep. And players become unhappy when the promises that they were given are not fulfilled. Mm. And that's rife in the game whether it's yeah. via player managers or clubs, they may not intend to lie, but they say things that when they don't come true, it cause, causes discontent. Hmm. Well, I certainly don't think they've lied to Manu or him. I think they, they no, do. No, I'm not you? saying that, but what, what I'm saying is that they, they could have said, you know, that, you know, you could potentially be playing 5'8", you could potentially be playing fullback. Hmm. You know, this is, this is the plan. This is what could be the plan. The player might have come come to them and say they might be halfway through the deal oh, I see my future at 5'8 or I see my future at fullback that can change things instantly yeah and I, I think for him my big point I guess for them is they showed confidence in the way they were willing to handle things by mm. giving him the power to decide every well, year what he wants to do particularly when he goes to New Zealand and plays fullback and does so well yeah well, we're talking about Marnie Rensselaer yeah. Well, yeah, I'm well, talking yeah. about both but I, they've obviously like I said got the confidence in the way they run things but they gave him the power to go year to year, Manu clearly. I know well, the a lot same of example, right? Like Sula, he went and played fullback and was competent, but he's mm. yeah, he's nowhere near Tedesco at this point in time. No, and I think Manu showed last year his thoughts. I they, think Manu is. Like, I they think Manu's him. as good as Tedesco. He's a different player, though. Yeah, but I think he showed his hand last year. He could have gone anywhere, mm. and he signed for very, very good money again. And is happy to wait a couple more years. Yeah. So, I just more thought in terms of the Curie side of things, would they consider? A situation, you may be in 12 months' time, depending on how this year pans out, where they hand the reins over to Walker, maybe push Manu in, or, you know, I, I think they've heard that Tedesco said before that maybe at the back end he'd be willing to transition to a role like six. I don't know if that would work in order to shuffle him there and get Suoli into the centres. Does fullback the only thing that he really wants long term? Like they, they've got things they're obviously going to have to figure out, but Kiri was the main one I looked at in all this because clearly in the next 12 months, again, they're going to have some salary cap decisions to make. Mm. Um, but a bit more news on them. Flip side of that is a couple of players moving on. Kieran Adam Kieran was unsigned. It's been confirmed now he's going to the Catalans, so another rooster heading over to Robinson's old yeah. stomping ground. He was linked to Panthers. He was linked to a few clubs. Good value to play a couple of different positions there, but uh, along with Tokiahu, he's another yeah. one heading over to Catalan. He's a yo-yo player, Adam Kieran. He never really established himself in first grade. Mm. 
and played both games against us in New South Wales Cup this year. So it's not like he's a regular no. first grader. Good depth. Uh, a good, good depth player, definitely. A good reserve grader. Let's see how he goes I think in the super league. I think he'd be, be more than competent in that competition. Yeah. Um, Renoff and Tony was the other one that surprised me. They signed him last year. He started the year quite well. Then he had a pretty bad knee injury, which ruled him out for basically the whole second half of the year. But I think this one more may be due to salary cap situation. They're entertaining him also moving on to the Super League. Oh, he'd be very good over in the Super League. So it hasn't happened yet, but I think they're open to him going a year early. Um, so clearly, Renoff's issue is staying on the field. He yeah, was unreal for us last year. We beat Penrith at Penrith. And he was... That's the year prior you're talking about. But yeah, he last, was very last good year at, I'm talking. He was also in, very good at Norths. Uh, yeah. You're talking the year prior, Dogs Mounties connection, but I, I watched... Well, that's last year. It's 2022, oh, well, that sorry, was 2021. Yeah. yeah, he was unreal. Just dominated. And you, you talk to the players, opposition players and players that are playing with him, and they just, they wow at what he can do. Mm. But yeah, the issue is... Health. Health, 100%. So that's an interesting one. I thought they would have been keen to keep him because I thought at times, again, middle was an up-and-down thing. Um, Collins staying on the field an issue. Jared getting a bit older. Injuries, suspension. Top Yahoo moving on. I, I wouldn't be rushing him out the door. Um, and Lodge, obviously very, very good at the back end of the year. They've confirmed that he is definitely staying. He's on the train and trial at the moment. It's just a matter of the salary cap being sorted. <laughs> train and trial. So they can... Re- or they can't register a deal. Yeah, oh, I, know. So, I know that. I'm just... It's so, funny. He's also in the same situation as we move on to the next one with Manly, who have just been rolling deals left, right, and center. Cooper Johns, they've confirmed he will be on a one-year deal, but is on a train and trial until they, again, know the salary cap and can actually offer a deal and register a deal under a CBA. So he's going to be at Manly this season. And they've made another signing again, a train and trial contract, Nathaniel Roach, the powerful, very quick hooker who's similar deal. Plenty of people like the guy. Plenty of people have had raps on the guy. He's been in multiple clubs, just has had no luck with injuries. It's yeah. so a multitude of injuries, so merely bring him in on a training trial, obviously with the hope that they can find a good backup or another option at nine um, behind Croker. And they've also had Lawton there, who they more transitioned to use as a forward last year. I'm sure he'll be more seen as a nine. But again, just one of these guys that when he's on the field and you look at him, you're like, he's a good football player. Mm-hmm. But it's been a case of every time he has four, five, six games put together, he gets injured. But the problem is he doesn't just get niggles. He gets fucking severe injuries. He's had back problems, knee problems. He's had big injuries. So I think this is one of those sort of last roll of the dice things for him. A guy who's been around six or seven seasons, just never been able to keep himself on the field. So merely making another move there. Tigers, couple of moves again, upgrading two of their kids. For Noah Polo, I'm pretty sure I said last time, signed an extension up until 2025. Justin Matamua, who I obviously spoke about and had a little bit to do with, he finds himself upgraded to the top 30 now. For this year, they've already redid a deal that they only did, you know, four or five months ago. So they've upped his deal to include him in the top 30 immediately for 2023, extended him now through until 2025. So two of their better younger players are locked in for the next couple of years for this journey that's going to be happening with Tim Sheens, Benji Marshall, and Robbie Farrar. I say good business in the sense of making sure that you can at least follow through on what you're trying to do. And I'd rather you do that with kids on reasonable money for the next few years rather than going out and doing what they've done historically which is buy shit dead wood so yeah take them off the table make sure someone can't negotiate within the 12 months come in under sweep them out from under you don't pay overs um, and just put the time in commit to them yeah because that's their best way forward so a little bit there on the Tigers front Parramatta 
also quite busy again, as we see people rounding out deals. Dejan Arcee, who debuted very young for the Cowboys a couple of years ago, Warriors mid-year this season, two-year deal with the Parramatta Eels. So looking to shore up some stocks there in terms of half-depth. Uh, Dury, Matt Dury from the Bulldogs, also Parramatta Junior returning to Parramatta. ACL last year, he signed a two-year deal, so he joins their top 30 for the next two seasons. And they've upgraded Tony Matiili, who was an ex-Eel, went to the Knights for a year, has returned now. I think he's 21 or 22 now, um, plays in the front row. He's going to be a development player for this season, and then he's full-time for 24 and 25. So they've certainly tried to shore up some holes or find some players. They've got Murchie over, they've got these couple of guys. Mamacia, um, certainly trying to plug up some gaps in that squad and fill some holes. I, I still think guys like Arcee are the ones that I am always interested in. You don't debut at a club at the age of 18, 19 for no reason. And clearly got some talent there, but obviously just need to find the right situation, the right group, and the right opportunity. Um, and going to a better club or going to a club like a Penrith or a Parramatta or a Roosters when you've sort of been around NRL systems for a couple of years and you're only 21, I think it's the best place for you to lend. So if he's ever going to flourish or succeed or show his best, even if it is as a backup, to maybe move on to that next opportunity, this is the sort of club you want to do that at. Yep. Um, so I don't think that's a bad bit of business at all. Uh, the Canberra side of things, there's more and more talk about the Dave Fafita thing, so that's all very serious, and we referred to this earlier. Obviously knowing that the NRLW coach, uh, Darren Borthwick, who's gone there, had an association with his partner, Shay Lee, so I think they're obviously going to look to try and use that situation and leverage a bit of a Millie Boyle, Adam Elliott situation. I think the other positive side of things is with what's happened now, I'm sure Fafita realises that on the market, someone's going to be willing to offer him good money, but it's not going to be the same money as last time. So he more needs to Well, he hasn't, he hasn't earned the same money as last nah, time. but he more needs to realise what's the best situation for me now? Where's the right place to go? Is it, you know, going to a place like Canberra and playing with a pair of halves like Fogarty and Whiten? Does he need to be with a more dominant number seven and go somewhere else. Well, it needs to be somewhere where they're going to give him early ball, which is essentially what how Canberra like to play earlier to their back rows. But where does he fit at Canberra if you've got Elliot Whitehead and Hudson Young? I think Whitehead needs to transition to 13. Corey Harawira and I are there as well. Yeah, and they sort of used him more on that bench role, whether it was middle, edges. I, I, hmm. I see Elliot as a guy... But I just don't see it as a position of need. No, it's definitely not a position of need. When you're talking about spending a significant amount of money... No. Nah. So, um, yeah, for the right price, if you've got enough space well, in what you allocate to that position. Let's put it right now. Canberra, open market, you sit down with Dave Fido, or what would you pay? Six? Seven? I was about to say, I think seven would be my top I price. I don't think he's earned any more. I don't no. think he's earned the right to be on any more than six, and based on what he's done. At on the, the flip of that, I can already see a Dolphins or someone offering eight, nine oh, okay. again. And, and that's cool. And that's why I look yeah. at it and go, he needs to make a decision well, this time. Is it money or is it best situation? He's still very, very young. He's already been paid more than what he should have been at the time. I think it's in his next decision that he's... His best interest that his next decision is the football decision, not just the money decision. Um, so, interested to see how that one goes there. And also, they didn't do a whole lot of signing in the offseason. The only one was Sami Solo from Newcastle, who's a good player who's had some injury issues. But the two twins from Penrith, interestingly enough, have both turned up at two different clubs in the last few weeks. So... Hohepa Puru, who played 13 and played a lot of cup, and Fleg, he's moved on to Canberra. Yeah, that happened a while ago. He's moved down there, and only this week, the Sharks, they haven't officially announced it yet, but uh, Niwai, the brother who plays 5'8", he's now at Cronulla. Mm. So I'm not sure what happened there. They are both on the development list. I think they were still 
contracted again for this year, but clearly they've both seeked a release and been given a release. So yeah, um, yeah they're both. Oh well, no, I, I knew about her Campbell one. Yeah, yep, I heard about that too. But yeah, Niwai I thought must have been staying, but he's now at Cronulla. That's only popped up this week. Yeah, I didn't know about that. So one. nothing quite official yet, but two handy players. I haven't seen enough quite yet to make a judgment on myself whether they're NRL standard or not but well I think they are uh, if they continue to develop both definitely. very good in the, their cup appearances and their opportunities they had last year skillful players yeah so two different clubs funnily enough I'm very interested to see how that plays out for those two but that's a little bit of what's going on with Canberra the Dolphins surprise surprise Wayne Bennett comes out and expresses interest in Herbie Farnworth again who we know only signed a one year deal had a great World Cup the Dogs interest come out he's instantly come out again and said well we wanted him last year of course, we'd be interested. So Herbie's clearly going to have a big market and get a big payday, I think, this time around. Mm. Um, he was definitely a standout for England. Dylan Brown, obviously, another one that they've announced as a real point of interest for halves as they've missed out on a lot of these marquees. So no doubt they're going to throw their hat in the ring for Moses, him, anyone that's available. Yeah. But Dylan Brown has basically said it's it's about family, it's about the situation. It, it's taking all things into consideration. I think the real one to look out for on his side of things, and I've mentioned this before, is the Warriors. The Warriors generally go really, really hard for marquee Kiwi players. They try to get Manu to come back. I think this is another situation with Sean Johnson finishing up at the end of this year that they'll probably have a real go at Dylan Brown, I think. Yeah. Um, but Redcliffe, heavier in there, along with Moses. And Moses is the other one, not just on their radar, but it's already been talked about that the Tigers will have a power play for him, offer huge money, try to reunite him with Brooks. Benji, Sheens, that whole situation. The Bulldogs are apparently winding up their cash, trying to get Moses on board. Redcliffe will be in there. Parramatta had an offer middle of the year to sit down with his manager and, and tie things up, chose not to do so. Obviously thought um, after what they've seen so far, they'd see how the season played out. I guess now what he's going to ask for and what Brown are going to ask for and what they can spend or keep them for... Um, it's, it's going to be hard because when you've got these teams that need halves, it's an inflated market and you're going to have someone like the Tigers or the Dogs or Redcliffe that can potentially offer 1-2, one, 1-3 one, or something a bit inflated. How far can you go if you're Parramatta to keep both of them? Well, you can't. You can only go to a certain point. And I also think this is another one where my rant last year about a player like Gutherson and for them also like loyalty and character over worth, I think they paid too much. Mm. The extra 250 300 you sort of put in there to me, is the difference when you get your marquees that when you look and go, well, he's on 850, that, that can't happen. Yeah, He's got to be on, say, six. Because now when you sit down with these two and go, well, you're already on nine, you're already on 800 this year on this back-ended offer, what what do we have to come up with here? That 250 is a starting point instantly there is enough to probably get me to get Moses up to a million dollars if that's the market or get Brown close to a million dollars. And hopefully, if we're only scrounging around fifty dollars to $100,000, if we're loyal, we get to keep both of them. Yeah. And that's these decisions we talk about again with where you put your money um, and placing a value on someone. So in the end, it might bite them on the ass. Um, but again, it's it's that market of, is it money? Is it football? Or is it situation? If, if it's purely money, when you've got two or three of these bottom clubs that are going to offer with the cap increases in space up to one, two, one, three, it's very, very hard. It's very, yeah. very hard. No um, but... The thought process for a lot of people out there now, and again, you never know what's going to happen, is that they're more likely to keep Brown than Moses. So the dog's off is apparently serious. We know that his uncle's been Elias. He's been at the Tigers. Brooks was kept, and a lot of people thought he should have been moved on. That's one of his best mates. Some have already hinted at that if he's going to go back, he wants it to be with Brooks as well. 
it's all speculation at this point in time, but Moses is certainly going to garner a lot of interest as he's brown. But if you were Mitchell Moses, where do you think your best football is? Do you think it would be at Parramatta or do you see yourself moving on? Obviously at Parramatta. I think he's played a lot of good footy while he's been there. And similar deal. Market worth, what would you slap on him price tag wise for fair pay? 800. Yep. Okay. So for them, I think he's already on more than that. Uh, Brown, similar deal. Open market's different, but if you're a Parramatta, what would you value Dylan Brown at? Well, he's got to be close to a million, I think. Because hmm. he's at the he's still going up the mountain, I think. Moses Moses has probably hit the top of the mountain. He's starting to come down a little bit. So I yeah, I think you've you've really got to you've got to get those two in a room and, and get them to understand that you know, whatever the money is again that you're allocating to the hardest positions, this is the money that we've got, this is the money that we can give you both, spread it across you know, both of you, you both players are going to help each other play better footy. Mm. Well, it just got to a grand final. I think if they want to break it up now, it's Parramatta really need to be, really, really need to keep those two together, in my opinion. I think they could, they could take or leave someone like Gutherson. They could take or leave the nine position. But I think at the moment, their halves are there are really, really important to what they do. Well, I think that's your other decision as well. They made a decision to re-sign Cam Gillard, big money, long-term, Paulo, big money, yeah. long-term. And then when you look at this year, not Madison only... Madison got good money. Yeah, but not only are both their halves coming off contract at the same time. And apparently they had money to go and get... Panasini. Papa Lee as well. Mm. Panasini's off contract. He's going to be looking for a decent upgrade. Yeah. Gutherson got paid over. Like That's sort of the one that I looked at last year and thought, well, the Gutherson one's the big one for me that I just think, I know group, leadership, character, all the things you have around your club, but there's a price. And you look at like a Dylan Edwards at Penrith and you hear that he's only on, say, like 450, 500 and what he contributes. He understands what he is within that system, what he could do. He could go somewhere else and probably get an extra hundred, $150,000 or more. But I think he understands his best football, his best situation is where he is. Mm. So for Gufferson, I know he's probably, like I said, very highly thought of in that club, but for both sides there... um, that's the sort of one where that hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars if your halves are already on eight, nine hundred respectively, I think that's the difference between you sitting down and tabling both guys, say, million dollar deals and saying, All right, yeah, let's lock you guys in, even if it's for the next two seasons, not four or five year deals if you're not comfortable with that, but we need to at least keep this for another year or two while we sort of hopefully have this window ajar. But also the flip like you're saying, committing so heavily to two props that are on the back end of, say, your 20s and upgrading Lane and paying Madison big money off the back of a good year after a couple of years with concussion, sort of just where you put your money and how you want to balance your salary cap. So see how it pans out, but there's no way I can see both staying with what's going to be available in the open market. Yeah. Um, But the Warriors link to Brown's the one that really interests me, really does interest me. So, And then the Tigers thing with Moses, that would... That would be very interesting to think that he's gone and returned and how that all plays out. But Parramatta certainly got a fight on the hands uh, with those two guys there. Broncos, they've told Tessie New he's free to go if he wants to and mm-hmm. look elsewhere. Instantly again, Dolphins, an actual fit looking at him and Newcastle with their situation trying to find a fullback. We talked about Lockie Miller last week. They're interested in talking to Tessie New as well. So they're looking at all avenues to try and bring guys in for the possibility to move Ponga. For me personally, we had a couple inboxes this week. I still don't understand the rush to move Ponga to six. Hmm. I think Ponga's still way too well, young. Well, as I said last week, what happens if it doesn't work? Oh, again, parked on an edge and not touching the football on one side of the field. Like, I just think, you look at the way he plays Queensland, I've said it a million times, it's obviously 
a better side or a more stacked side, but him at one forces him to be involved in the game. I don't like the thought of him in the situation they're in right now, just parking himself on one edge of the field. Yeah, I think he's still too young. Um, he's not at a point where he's racked up seven, eight seasons, lots of kilometres, slowed down, had a couple of injuries to a point where I'm like, well, your skill set now would transition better to being in the front line. Yeah, I prefer to still have him at one. And you've just given him the absolute kitchen sink, cash-wise, like $1.2 million to park himself on one edge. Mm. No, I want more touches, more quality, more influence. Be the dominant player from the back of the field. Be, you know, the spoon that stirs the drink for Newcastle. So That's fair. Um, that one sort of interests me, but Tessie knew still plenty uh, of football left ahead of him. Best situation out of those two, I don't know, but certainly interesting if he went to the Dolphins, considering they've just signed Hammer. Obviously, another one of these situations where you obviously couldn't go to him and go, oh, yeah, you can play fullback, and you're going to be fullback, and Osako is the fullback. Like It's one of these things where I guess you promise him, like you're saying, or giving any promises or thoughts you can to try and get guys in your club. So mm. for him, if I think there might be a better opportunity at Newcastle if one's where he wants to play. If he wants to play centre wing or any position in the back line, which he showed he can play different spots, and he wants to stay in Queensland, well, the Dolphins is probably the place to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're obviously both still in the market and trying to make moves. Flegler, a huge offer apparently from Manly, basically come out this week and said, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to be a Broncos. So... Manly were looking to make a big splash in the market there. There was talk of up to a five-year deal, six fifty seven hundred thousand a season for Flegler. But it looks like he's going to put all his focus into staying in Brisbane. So, interested to see if they hit the market again and try to go for somebody else. But they've obviously been super active in the market. South's talk is, well, we've already seen it, so you can pretty much lock it up. They extended Shikai Mitchell, Latrell. They reckon it's all but done. That it's going to mud out a few things for an extension. But I think the moment you saw Shaq's on, you knew that Latrell was going to be staying. Essentially. He wasn't going to leave. Yeah. Um, Cook's already been done for a couple of extra years. Cody, potentially going to be done for an extra two years. So they've committed to that core. They're not going to affect that, is what we talked about before. They obviously made a decision to move on from Reynolds for an alias. But when you have Mamazoulos and a couple other guys backed up there, how long are they going to wait if you've committed to a few of these other guys in these key positions? So mm. um, decisions there from Souths. Nanai. Talk of Sydney clubs willing to offer eight nine hundred thousand dollars in five years, not named, but for the Cowboys side of things in that one year deal for now. I look at this one similar to the Fafita thing and think this position to me has got a ceiling on what you can pay, and you need other players to enable a back row to have an influence on the game. So if I'm the Cowboys and we go to the table here, yes, he's been very very good. Yes, he's debuted for Australia, but. I'm sort of sitting with him and probably going, I'm, I'm not looking to hit eight, nine 900,000 in five years, maybe three years at 700 and sort of be like, stay here with this group at home where you've grown up, where your family is, where you've played your football, why we've got this team. There's still plenty of money to be made. There's still plenty of time, but this is the best situation right here right now. And it's another one again where I'm like, well, who are the clubs that are offering this money? Is it the Tigers? Is it the Bulldogs when they talk Sydney clubs? And again, is that really worth it to go to that situation rather than where you are? Yeah. Like, I'd rather play for a good football team for a little bit of less money. Like, 700 would still be a fair whack. I think that'd be a very fair price for Jeremiah Nenner. Yeah. But, you know, you're worth what someone's willing to pay. So. Well, that's the thing, yeah. I, I just couldn't pay someone in that position that much money. With it, Well, the other thing is, like, who the hell knows what the cap's going to be? Yeah. And so how do you make decisions about... If, Any you, of this. if you move into a cap and it's supposed to be an extra $2 million, well, then maybe I well, can yeah, move maybe, that, yeah, I can move that right. ceiling and go, okay, 
back row if I'm saying seven, eight hundred absolute max, well then maybe eight hundred, nine hundred is the new normal. Yeah. But the orig- that was the original point of the Fafita thing. When they invested that level of money at that position, I just thought, well, you need go forward, you need a nine, you need halves, like there's other bits to enable the back row to sort of have that influence on a game. So um, for him that's that's huge money, but they've obviously trying to work their way into fitting everybody in. And the last sort of bit I have here isn't so much player or club news, it's the Panthers situation with the World Club Challenge. So they're saying today now that with the rules around player welfare and the RLP and the NRL, they've potentially got nine guys that can't play in that game at the moment unless they return to training early. And to return to training early, they have to seek approval from the NRL and the Players Association. Hmm. So this is a double-edged sword here where, you know, in times of argued for time off and reduction in training and proper rest and that, but in order to qualify, apparently you have to have trained for five weeks in the preseason before you can play a game mm-hmm. under the welfare rules. So they're going to have to seek an exemption on both sides for all these guys if they want to play in the World Club Challenge to come back, say, in only four weeks' time to have trained for the five weeks to qualify to play in that game under the welfare rules. Where most of these guys, again, like we just talked about, two grand finals, back-to-back years, origin camps, World Cup, no rest essentially for two years. Yeah. straight back into another season. Um, Penrith have come out and Matt Cameron basically reflecting on that probably shows the commitment of the group and where they're at, that they want to push early or give up that time and push through and try and play in this World Club Challenge. So that's all well and good. But yeah. when you've got guys like Lenu who are injured, Tago that are injured, a couple of these guys that have played a hell of a lot of football, I, I don't know if the World Club Challenge is really, for me, something I'd be that committed to. Um and on the flip side of that, Brian Fletcher, the CEO, has basically put a gun to the NRL's head and says, we want 100 grand, and we want the 200 that we didn't get, which is the normal winning money for the grand final, that they've been short-changed because the revenues, of COVID, revenues right? have all apparently come back and the grand final money didn't go back to normal. And then he's saying that giving up the Battle of the West, which is the game they need to sacrifice to play the World Cup Challenge, is going to cost them about $100,000 well, in gate tickets. I don't think they, I don't think they are average. giving it up, are they? Because they're yeah, going to play that game's getting scrapped. Well, the no, World they're going to play it the week before. Oh, Parramatta are going to play Penrith the week All before. the bits I read was that was the game that was getting the flick and they were keeping the other troll. Just seems like a lot of waffle to me. So they wanted $300,000 and he was pretty blunt with the NRL and the situation money-wise. You uh, can be as blunt, blunt as he wants. You know what shits me though? I don't get people say it again like, ah, oh, you bash this. You well, I don't like the World Club Challenge and it's not, it's just purely because it's not the actual teams. Yeah. Like if St. Helens roll out here and they've already played four weeks and Penrith roll half their team in after couple of weeks rest and barely any training there's no kick here there's no you know there's players that are missing and it's like the year prior if they would have ended up playing like no Kate well I know Pungo was on there for a few weeks and, you know no Matt Burton etc like it's just to me if you're going to do the World Club Challenge similar deal when both the seasons end it's another one of these things I look at and go it needs to happen within a week or two after the competition yeah. like if you want a true reflection of the two champions and have a Super Bowl like concept maybe a fortnight after give them a week to celebrate and get it out of the way and then they play again and it rotates every year where it goes. Yeah. It's another one of these things within scheduling that needs to fit in with internationals, origins, enough rest time, etc. It's, it's all a scheduling thing. Yeah. Because honestly, to sit here now and go, oh, these are the two teams, well, it's like, well, it's not. And St. Helens have had a lot of players move on as well and their coaches moved on. Yeah. It's two completely different fucking teams. So, yeah, I, I can take it or leave it. As a fan, if you tell me... It's you just to... another game. Yeah, but on February 18th, if you said to me, you're going to watch Battle of the West even if it's a trial or you're going to watch St. Helens Panthers, I'd rather watch Parramatta Panthers. Yeah. That's just me. But that game to have any meaning to me, I want the two actual grand final sides yeah. playing each other. 
I want the players that played in those grand finals, the two teams that actually won the premiership, mm. to make it have more significance. Not we've rolled in with no preseason and five guys left. Or yeah, we've got a new coach and we've lost five guys as well. It's not a true reflection of the two teams that won the premierships. Correct. Um, so yeah, that's the last little bit I've got there in terms of the news. Let's move on to these fan questions to close out for the season of twenty twenty two. Jump onto the Twitter side of things first, and let's see what we've got. Um, and a little bit on Facebook as well. But a little bit quieter than what I expected. A lot of people, I think, maybe having well, they're over footy. their own little break after the extended side of things. But Nijital says, current and past player that you'd least like to tackle. Well, current player, I can think easily. I wouldn't want to tackle Nelson. Current player. The bloke's elbow bombing people, dropping knees on you. He's an absolute monster. I, Yeah, I don't want to borrow that. None at all. Previous player would have been Latefa Pagliacina. Or oh, yeah, Lafita Pagliacina. Dear Lord. Yeah, current player. I suppose, I suppose Nelson. Well, I've given him a little bit on the coaching side of things, but past player, Mal. Pete Mal. Mal just used to absolutely bulldoze some people. And that yeah. armed guard, no thanks. Uh, current and past player you'd least like to be tackled by well past I think we can agree on one I'm going to steal your man Moz yeah Adrian I'd Morley. go Ruben Wiki as well oh. no thanks but Morley was a murderer and that man had a vendetta against someone if he found you you're, you're a dead man current player mm, probably Jared Jared who knows what, what he's going to do when he's <laughs> who knows what he's going to do he might elbow bomb you yeah, I think we agree on that one. But yeah, two Roosters players, Moz and Jared. Scary times. Um, love the show. Go the doggies, he says. Well, let's see how things play out this year. They've made plenty of moves, that's for sure. Uh, Fonzie, Fonzie Warriors says, where are the Warriors points going to come from in 2023? Well, it's a good question, that's for sure. Sean Johnson... Um, Scoring tries and kicking goals. Yeah, that's right. Laurie uh, Daly. Yeah. The team who scores that's those points will win. Answer. Look, mm, I think that's why... What what the preseason's for, they're going to have to work it out because... Mm. Well, is it Tamari Martin at one? Is it Tamari Martin at six? I don't know. Does he give Johnson I don't know. A but it's year? a very good question because... Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the answer is. No, nah, at this point in time, I'm with you. And that that is the question. That that is, that is the purpose of the preseason. It's mm. they they're gonna need a lot from their forwards. They need their forwards to start smacking the front door down. That's gonna make everyone's job a lot easier. Well, I mean, and that's something that traditionally the Warriors always did. But to be fair and to be really honest, they've gone away from that, particularly in the last, I think, three to four years. They've lost that fear factor. They've lost that intimidation factor. Uh, and part of that probably comes back to the fact that they didn't play at home a lot. Getting back home, being physical, being intimidating, knocking the front door down, that'll go a long way to solving that problem. Yeah, well, you look at the props they've got, along with Taylor Harris, if you get that right to start with. Yeah, that's going to um, That's your flow. And that, I think the other thing is just help. Like this year, not only did you do a lot of COVID and move around, but they, Adam Fenua Blake, really key player in and out. Taylor Harris... Big chunks of football miss. Like when you've got those sort of key guys missing to start with, it's not great. Sean Johnson's headspace, they already said it was terrible away from his partner, away from home. Was better in those last sort of few games. Can he find his best football? He can play, man. With a bit of stability. Um, you don't just lose that overnight, that's for sure. But the question for them again is probably the spine side of things. They've brought in Tamari Martin. You've got Luke Metcalf, who was basically forgotten about 
Nickel Cookstad and he'll be good. You know, looking at where they're at, like for me, I, I'm not as big on the chance thing. I like Tamari to probably play at one, and if it's not him, Metcalf. I think those two bring things that Chance doesn't bring. Chance brings effort, um, and he's a guy that's always running, and he's not afraid to get into the dirty work. But for me, he's sort of the guy that I'd probably look at and go, what he does best is yardage and carries. He's a winger, in my opinion. That's yeah. his best spot. And I don't know if they need that. Whereas I look at Tamari Martin and what he brought for Brisbane when he come in, he can count numbers. He's a legitimate ball player. He's probably not as physical on the carry. But what he brings in terms of what he can do and helping your halves and linking up, Metcalf brings something similar. But Metcalf brings exceptional speed and ball playing. Mm. So I look at those guys and go, one of them is probably my six, and one of them is my fullback. Johnson gets first crack at seven. I know Volkman's there. Volkman, I think, again, still needs to learn. Great opportunity with a couple of guys around him to get different perspectives. I think spend some time in reserve grade, and I guess on the talk of Johnson, if you get halfway through the year and things aren't going that great or looks like they're going to miss the finals or it's time to move on, well, then maybe you commit to Volkman for the back half of the season after he spent half a year in cup and learning. And then I guess for Webster, how he wants to play will decide also where he puts those guys in his spine. The only guarantee in the spine right now is Wade Egan's their ninth. Mm. Um, there's no real competition in terms of pushing him out of that spot. Otacolo, the young nine there, Went in between NRL Cup and Flag last year. He's still very, very young. He's one of those guys whose development was stunted by the COVID situation. He was the captain of the SG ball team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it is a really good question. But I, I think you probably hit it on there. It starts with their forwards and then who they play in those other positions, how they figure it out. But I certainly think Metcalf and Tamari Martin are two good signings. I think they will help. It's just a matter of where they play. Yeah. Um, and a couple of good forwards coming. I think... Barnett's the sort of guy that the Warriors have had in the past when they brought that Australian player over. He's got a bit of a screw loose. He's a tough forward. Bringing him along with Morata and that, I think that certainly ups their stocks in terms of their forwards. Well, massively, yeah. You mix those guys in who are genuine hard nuts with a Fanua Blake and a Tohu Harris, and yeah, you've certainly got the good makings of a good forward pack. Yeah. But Spine, dear Lord, um, there's a bit to work out that probably can't answer just yet, that's for sure. Uh, Shams says would love your technical insight on why England lost to Samoa they should have won well their defence was horrible mm. well we sort of addressed this last week but I think yeah, probably the, the big one that killed me and you said as well not only was their defence horrible but inside 20 I don't know what they were trying to do I really don't offensively they kicked play well they twos. played super league footy and I, I said it in the preview there's a certain way to beat them and that, that was the way hmm they needed to get away from the uh, needed to get away from that tram to tram, point to point, set up play for a point for a shift Double for a set up play for a, it just yeah. And it's the point they, you had. They thought they had uh, they thought they had the answer to the questions, but they were found wanting. Mm. And the few times they did play genuine eyes up football or actually played some footy that broke structure. They found success. Well, they did. Early yeah. ball out of yardage when they were trapped three plays and finding Milford simply just making you make a decision and scoring a try there, you know. Uh, the other thing is just guys getting caught out. Like the, the Callum Watkins one-on-one straight up with Lafay, probably a selection issue there. The guy that I probably wouldn't have picked in that position. And then the second time, biting in at marker on a short side, leaving yourself short there for Liggy Sow to walk in. So a couple of poor defensive reads and then... Probably more the point you said last week. They're sort of playing NRL 
five, six years ago, a la block, block when we were in the wrestle game. And when that's sort of not working for you, you need to find ways to break out of it. And they just, they didn't want to, they wanted to avoid the middle of the field. Mm. They didn't want to play tough footy. Or and that's the thing, when they did go the morning. middle with Tom and a few of those guys at times, they had success. But they should have gone to the plan they had for game one. They didn't. Mm. Um, I think the, the other side of that sort of is just, I can't believe the amount of kicks on play two to three in good ball, just trying to find errors or a 50-50 moment. Like, they got a couple of repeats or scrums out of it, but there was also four or five seven-tackle sets. Yeah. And just, it was desperate. So, yeah, definitely wasn't uh, that impressive. Simo says, do you think Fafida can fulfill his potential if he was to move to the Raiders next year? Well, Who knows? it's the million-dollar question. But, again, comes down to exactly that. Commitment, training, application to games. Can they use him differently? Their forward pack lays the platform with Papa Lee, Tarpany, second phase, early ball, playing out on those edges and getting fed with him and Hudson Young could be absolutely dynamic. But I think it's I think it's both things. I think it's all, it's team situation, but it's also up to Dave. I don't think Dave's obviously done himself any favours either in terms of the war. Some weeks he doesn't even look like he wants to be there. Yeah. Then other weeks he's just gives you a moment where you look at him and go, holy shit, you could be literally the best player in the comp if you wanted to. Yeah. But it's about applying yourself game to game and being present and wanting to dominate because there's no doubt about his physical gifts. He's got that in spades. Mm. Uh, and Barkar Stormer says, is top three things that you think can't be taught, is it thing, e.g. defense is an attitude but can, can be coached, but knowing... When- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And a 40-20 is just too hard. Learn and read in the game. Love some examples. Can cut players slack, uh, slack or expect more from others. Things that can't be taught. Well, vision's one thing that can't be taught, in my opinion. No, There's some great. guys that naturally just have a feel for when it's, you know, time to run the ball or space or someone's isolated or jumping down a short side. They're, they're... I think that comes through muscle memory and reps. Mm. I, the biggest one is just raw speed. Yeah, that's the other one. Speed. You, raw you, speed. You look at your players. Again, I know I get frustrated at times with his physicality, but if a Hermiso Tabuai Fidel or a Josh Adokar or these sort of guys... Find space or take an intercept or pick up a loose ball. It's it's just it's a given. Speed, unfortunately, is not something and that everyone's blessed with. Just rugby league movements like your James Tedesco. That how he yeah. moves and how he steps. Uh, that that's not rugby. That's, that's not taught through training. Well, we, we've talked about this before. We had guys we won't name here um, in one of our younger teams, but we had a guy that Penrith signed who was a sprinter and. In a hundred meter sense, he was the fastest kid in his age group, or whatever in New South Wales. But rugby league wise, he didn't move that well. Mm. If he was straight line and you gave him space, he was good. But in terms of anticipation, lateral movement, finding space, or running, he had a guy inside him who probably wasn't as physically gifted or fast, but had really good rugby league movement or rugby league speed, where he found spaces, used his footwork, moved very, very well around a rugby league field. It's like you're saying, Tedesco. 
who plays in a phone booth, gets down his short side, looks like he's busted like custard with four guys, and before you know it, he somehow hit, spin, bobbed, weaved, ducked, and he's popped out back on the open. Mm. Um, you can't teach that, and that that sort of ties in again with movement. Guys that just find space or know how to move on a rugby league field. So that's probably two or three things you can sort of look at um, that are, that are pretty hard to teach. So I think that's everything we've got on the Twitter side of things for now. I'll just double check that, but yeah, I, I definitely would have appreciated a little more speed box out of it. I don't know about yourself. Yeah, I think we all could. Every player would probably say they could do with more feed, uh, more speed. Mm. The leg speed, leg speed, and more feeds as well. Yes, most definitely. Dinos Daniel, he'd like to thank us for all the podcasts that we've done each week, and also it's done for free. And uh, he'd like to know, out of the World Cup, is there any players that we should look out for or that probably announced themselves for next year? That's a good question. I think Coloured Rajid, like, I know Gus's Twitter account is a, is a loose interpretation of what you take out of that, but he reckons he'll play in our role next year. Did Gus say that? Yep. So that's interesting. I think that probably hints at the fact that we know that they've tried to move Kyle on enough times and who else is there and... Mm. If they stick with Avril at one, that sort of opens up an opportunity if they want to play someone else in the halves. Yeah. They've moved on from Wakeham as well, so that would naturally lead to Khaled getting an opportunity. Um, I think Taruva, which most of us already knew, certainly showed that he's a quality player and Penrith was smart to lock him up so that no one could take him. Mm. He's another young guy, but again, the opportunities he gets with Penrith's depth at this point in time, probably few and far between. I thought young Wong, who we talked about a little bit from the Roosters, in that situation, to go from SG ball grand final, a little bit of flag straight into cup, and then go over there and play in some of the games he did, he really impressed me for a kid who's only 18. Mm. Um, does he play much first grade? I don't know, but they're, they're probably the few names that stand out. Young Katoa, we obviously saw a little bit of at the back end of the year, same deal, but I, I can see why the Dolphins made that move, knowing that Clear is there in his past block for a long time. Doesn't mean it necessarily pans out, but for an 18-year-old, what I saw in those cup games and a few games... Certainly looks very impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one who's more than likely, I think he, he's one that I wouldn't be pushing too quickly at the Dolphins. I definitely want him to play some Q Cup yeah. first, but Khaled, again, similar deal. Played some Cup at the back end of the year, played in the New South Wales Cup Grand Final. Maybe he finds himself um, with some opportunities at the Bulldogs, depending on whether you trust Gus's Twitter account or not. But he, uh, he gave him a bit of a mention. Johnny Girdler says, has Kevin Hart spread himself too thin? Well, that's not rugby league related. That's the comedian Kevin Hart, I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't... I've been to one of his stand-up I follow too gigs. Much. I like Kevin Hart, but he certainly got himself uh, in a lot of pies, Johnny. What's if, he done? If that's what you mean. He does a radio show. He does tours. He does movies. He's got his hands in everything. He's got gym products. He's got an association with Nike. He'd be one of the yeah. business men on the planet. Okay. But... Not rugby league related, but appreciate that, mate. Very crazy Panthers fan. You're a big fan, indeed. Craig Sharp. Andrew Webster has done a very thorough apprenticeship. Do you think he will go better than some of the recycled coaches? Yeah, I think he will. Yeah. I'd... If given the chance. And I guess that's the point. Um, they've had him there before. They know him. They've brought him in. I think they realise what's needed. And somebody like Webby is a good option. And I know talk is cheap, but I saw the first thing he said this week is he's not going somewhere and thinking you can duplicate where you've been. So he's not going to the Warriors with the expectation he can do what happened at Penrith, which is 
pretty much a little bit like we talked about when, say, Barrett first moved over and thought he could use middle service and Flanagan and these players. You've got to coach to what you've got. Yeah. Um, and Webby certainly, again, we know he's got a very good defensive base. Went to the opposite side of the ball while he was at Penrith for the tack. Has been in multiple different systems and seen a lot of things. So you'd think he's got a very, very good grounding and a base to head back to a place that he's also already been. Had a bit to do with the junior side of it, the development side of it. And um, at the end of the day, again, it's, instead of hiring a name, I think they've just made a smart hire based off information, um, resume, and, and, and situation. I, I, I don't really know else who you would have gone for. Stacey Jones pretty much said out and out that, you know, he didn't want the job. He'd rather be an assistant or. So, so like, it's hires like that that I think would have been a bigger mistake just to go for a name or somebody played yeah. rather than somebody like a Webster. And they've brought McFadden back, who's also been associated with their system. So they're, they're clearly looking at a few people that have had success or they thought were valuable pieces previous to their organization to lead to a long-term build. And we've said it before, the biggest thing for them straight away was smart signings, which I've got to give Nathan Brown a wrap again. I think some of those signings that he made before he moves on were good, like your Maradas, your Mitch Barnett's, etc. I think they're good players, your Metcalfs. Um, but getting back to juniors and re-establishing that pathway that was looking very, very promising pre-COVID. Yeah, and that's not a twelve-month fix. That's three sort of year fix, or a long-term project. Yeah, big time. Um, so I'm hoping he is successful. Ben Lloyd, love the podcast. Is Gus's work at Penrith legit enough that he can replicate the same success at the Bulldogs? Yes. In very simple terms. Yes. Well, absolutely. Well, the runs are on the board, aren't they? Have a go at Penrith. Mm. Didn't happen by accident. No, I, I'm again. Can't say that was all Gus, but the establishing of everything, he certainly played a big part. Mm. So can he do that again at the Bulldogs? Certainly. And he's tried early um, to make the turnaround fairly quick. I think I said it in one of the last couple of pods. Within two years or from the side, not this year or last year's squad, the year prior, there's only two players left now since Josh Jackson's retired. So I've almost flipped over the whole roster. He's very good at that. He's tried to plug very the gaps in terms of the junior gap. They've gone out and poached a couple of kids from the Roosters, Cowboys. They've made a link with, I think, the Clydesdales it is up in Queensland. They're trying to get their finger into more pies. So, again, trying to bridge the gap within juniors, trying to re-establish their junior pathway. Um, and he's obviously been making plenty of moves in the NRL squad, and he's not done yet. So, trying to make it happen quick. Yep. And trying to uh, get things in place, but I think that probably the one big difference here is, regardless of COVID, the Bulldogs are in a much better financial position than what Penrith were, so at the time and have the money to invest in some of the things that he wants to do immediately. Yeah. Um. You know, look at the staffing setup they've sort of got now for their NRL team and some of these pathways and development things he's doing. He certainly brought a hell of a lot more people on board for the football side yeah, of things. So, again, trying to get boots on the ground. And I don't. Just, I don't understand the the whole fascination with questioning what he's done at Penrith I I just look at it and go how, how can you it's undeniable the impact that he had at Penrith whether you whether you like him or not that's irrelevant I just think that the impact that he had at Penrith is undeniable that's me that's my opinion mm. well the Penrith fans might disagree with you that's for sure they might again, oh some might because he's not there anymore they might come up on the side but I don't, I don't care I don't care what they think moving Ivan on was wrong yeah. and maybe some of the contracts that he gave been wrong but in terms of his I've overall I've got more reasons for my effect. opinion yeah. yeah so but yeah I think uh, he's certainly looking to make a difference and um, let's hope 
this relationship with Serraldo in now and some of the changes the long term one and they can have some stability and some success and get things back on track because they always certainly, it's certainly got to be the plan always were a powerhouse um, while I was growing up that's for sure don't associate with the dogs in sort of my time for the majority of my life not being a top eight team yeah so it's sort of been a weird period they're one of those clubs that I always associate with being in the top eight but Chris Stefan, you have 10 points to use f- foods that you can have for the rest of your life. What do you choose? This is interesting. Righto. Five points for KFC and Super Dry. Three points, Halal Snack Pats or McFlurries. Red Rock Deli Honey Soy, Garlic Bread, Domino's Pepperoni Pizzas, and one point. Fuck your Domino's off. Villies, McFlurries, San Remo Ravioli. Celery, Jats, cheese, cubes, and spicy capsicum dip, and two is old. Have you got to pick one from each of the things? You've got 10 you? points, so you can do whatever well, you want. Well, I'm taking Super Dry. You can fuck KFC off. Well, I'll without that. I'm burning me 10 points straight up. KFC and Super Dry, I'm done. I'm going Super Dry, garlic bread. So that's eight points. You've got two left. Villies. Nine. What else we got down there? San Remo Ravioli. So that's the packet stuff that you cook in. Yeah. I'll go Jats, cheese cubes, and spicy capsicum dip. Yeah, well, fuck that. I'm just blowing me 10 straight up. I'm going to die happy on KFC and Super Dry. Yeah, you can. Chips, gravy, drumsticks, and schooners all day. Woo! Won't be long for the world doing that, mate. If I was going the other way around, it would be probably McFlurries, Domino's pepperoni pizza. That'd be sick. What do you mean? That you hate? Nah, you got the points, that's it. I'm saying, if you if I was going to go the option and not pick the two five points... What are halal snack packs? Halal snack pack, that's the kebab thing, I think, where they oh. cut the meats and throw it in there with the chips yeah, and sauce. Yeah, I've never had one of those. Snack pack. I've had one when I was blind. It's not not terrible, but I don't want all the sauce all over the top of it. They hit it with, like, sweet chilli. They hit it with all the sauces. Oh, I've seen them made. Yeah. Some people get them in mega-sized boxes. It's quite intense. Don't mind a babby at Tom's when I've been a bit sourced, but no, yeah, I haven't really no, ever ordered the snack pack for Ben Yeah, no. Only thanks. once that I've had a snack pack, so. Now, 10 points straight up. Give me the two fives on KFC and Super Dry. I'm going down that in was, flames. That was quite easy. I think the question was tailored to you. <laughs> Mate, well, because of Villy's pies. I've never mentioned celery and jats and all the other things, but I've certainly mentioned Villy's KFC and Super Dry. No doubt about that. You've mentioned Domino's a lot. You and Dom May's charity fight. Take Dommy Mage yet. Wouldn't be much of a fight. <laughs> Jamie Dutton, great effort again, once again this year, lads. Thoughts uh, with games that go into Golden Point? Would a player drop off in Golden Trial? No, I hate it. hate Golden Point. Yeah. Just give me a draw any day of the week. Two drop off at the first half of extra time, and then another one no, at half time. Because it's not 13 v 13. No. You lose the integrity of the game. Of the game, that's what you're I, saying. I don't mind... Similar to Oztag, but surely we have to see something yeah. better than a field goal I, I think you flop. need to go to the three-point model. Three points for a golden point win. I don't even want that. To me, it's an extra 10 minutes and a draw. Sorry, three points, a draw. For a, three points for a regular win, two points for a golden point win, and one point for a loss. Just a normal loss. I'm just straight up. You play an extra... Sorry, a golden point loss. Extra 10 minutes draw. Zero no, for a normal loss. No field goal or just draw after 80. Simple. Hmm. Play the 10 minutes and get a result. And if you don't get it, it's a draw or just 80 minutes and a draw. And just have... I don't like the field goal shootout either. But I'm just that simple. You play the 10 minutes for the for the points or a draw or you just have a draw. Yeah. Vote on it. If, get rid of golden point. I just don't think you should get the same amount of points for winning an extra time because you needed extra time to do it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm 
No, That'd no, be no. like saying if I'm going to complete an exam in three hours and I just say, oh, no, fucking hang on a minute, I need an extra half an hour to do it or an extra 10 minutes to do it, mm. that it's the same as someone that, who does it in a quicker time. That's my point. If you want the result, you've got 10 minutes to do it and it's not golden yeah, field goal. It's probably, not, probably not a good example. If it's going to land on a draw again, simple, let's just have a draw. Yeah. Because golden point at times, like I said, can just turn into an absolute shit fight. Well, it does, yeah. Um, I hate it. It doesn't excite me at all. I just go, oh, this is fucking... Where's this going to go? Mm. And it just goes into four up for a bomb to the corner or four up for a field crack at field goal. Mm. Everyone's offside. <laughs> yeah, like, the ref puts just, the whistle away. It all just goes yeah, the, game, the whole game just changes. It becomes a field goal of fun. Yeah. Uh, Donald Fireflame says, been a lot of talk about origin eligibility and what's the best way to go. And a lot of the questions touch on this as I said before. Personally, he says he'd like to see the comp stop for a month and have a long rep season. Origin on Wednesdays, the three-game Women's Series, Pacific Nations Cup. Uh, see more footy. Top more four footy. ranked teams, Pacific Islands. For example, New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji would all play each other once. Top two teams playing in the final. Could potentially take some of the games to Fiji, Tonga, and Samoa. Have a good Christmas and all the best for the new year. Look forward to the show. I love the I love the idea. I love, I love the idea. I love the thinking. I just yeah. hate more footy. But it's on the basis of what I said before. They need to get to a point where if they're going to supplement the TV deal, and that's the whole base of everything, they need to provide an international calendar within that and shrink the NRL calendar. But if they're not willing to do that, if the broadcasters tell the league they want the NRL games, well, we all know what's going to happen. The interest is going to be within what's best for the NRL, what's best for the TV deal, what's best for money for the clubs, etc. It's not going to be in the best interest, unfortunately, of international football or any other scenario because mm. the overalling ruling factor and everything which again is pretty much blatant obvious for everyone is the NRL whether people like it or not their priority is the NRL so if they went to the well, broadcasters and said, to worry about no that's my point but if they got there and the, said to the broadcasters alright what if we were going to chop out a month to put more internationals on would that be something you'd like to supplement within this that and that and the other and they said no we want more football the same or we'll pay less well they're just going to prioritise NRL which is clear of course so yeah. but Again, I think the only way to fairly get to that point is if we got up to enough clubs to be able to play everyone once, somewhat have a shorter season, um, and then mini conferences. Try to put things in play around that. But yeah. is there how many teams we're going to have this year? Seven eight. Seven eight, and we've got twenty seven rounds. Yeah. More buys, more spread out. It's yeah. Yeah. Is if it does it look like that the year after? I don't know. Or it's just the way going forward. I, yeah. But it's already running longer. So. That's another issue if you're going to do internationals. If your comp's already running for an extra few weeks just to supplement the buyers and the football you've got going now, mm. it's even tighter again. And in another year, like we said, well, we're starting later on the back of two jam-packed years squeezing in origin in the COVID season and the World Cup this year. So I, I don't know the perfect answer. It's very, very hard. Good luck. Um, Daniel Anthony Taylor in a similar line but a different way says, what should be the priority now for rugby league? Improving the club game or the international football? Club. And this is the point again. NRL's not worried about the international game. Club. NRL's interest is in the NRL. Super League should be in the Super League. I know the IRL say that, you know, everyone over here only cares about this, that, and the other. Nothing to do with international football. Well, they haven't done themselves any favours over in England either. So it's a bit of a two-way thing. And then similar deal. The NRL, like you're saying, their, their job's obviously to run the NRL. They're not worried so much about yeah. everything else. They're worried about them the best part they can here staying alive rightly or wrongly and that's like most businesses their priorities themselves um, it's not their job but again the perfect answer there is not one there's not one that can satisfy everybody no and yeah it's, 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 it's a really difficult one I wish I did have the answer but I don't um, 
Cecil Shake says he assume we'll cover it in the potty. Um, but which team do we think will rise and which team do we think will fall? And he's wondering what our Manly and slash Seabold prediction is for 2023. Well, again, something we'll probably cover actually come next year because, let's face it, three months is an eternity in rugby league. So from now to then, injuries, off-field, trials, all-stars, like this is the same reason why we started doing our season predictions right up to that last week. Because sometimes you submit and someone does their ACL, someone gets arrested, something unfortunate happens, like, who bloody knows? All I can say is at the end for Manly, it got ugly. It was personal. I think more so what happened, but it couldn't go on. Um, and as much as I don't support the Penn side of things, and I've said it before, their interest seems to be more about money and the cost of everything and not so much the football club. If that's the case, fucking sell the club. Give it to somebody who's actually interested in the football side of things. But in this sense, um, if this closes out some factions, whether it be the Fultons, the Haslers, the Pens, etc., Main thing for Manly, I think, is stability. So Seabold in, Flanagan in, I think they're two big hirings, especially bringing him on as an assistant. In terms of what they've done, moves, you know, the, the signings, they didn't have a whole heap of money. They haven't been able to do a whole lot of movement. But if they've got cohesion, if they've got some stability, if everyone's aligned on the right track and healthy, I think we've seen it again with their best players in the field. In particular, Tom has to be on the field. They're a top eight side. Yeah. Um, without Tom different story where they go how they improve I think they'll play a different style of football what do they look like with Schuster at 6 7 you know again who's healthy who's not I don't know but right now I'd more than say that if they keep most of their players on the field in particular Tom I'd think they'll be pushing for the 8 and again I think we talked enough about the Seabold thing at the time what happened I thought the Brisbane situation wasn't all Seabold, let's put it that way. No one will. So there's a lot more to that story. Um, and yeah, we won't know until about three months' time. Let's see what happens throughout the off-season. Timmy McIntyre, will you miss me? And where are you coaching next season, if you can announce it? Uh, yeah, well, um, I've moved from Mounties because Mounties have pulled out a New South Wales Cup. For I think that's, that's not... I guess public knowledge at the moment, but it, most people within rugby league at Ron Massey Cup and New South Wales Cup level would know that. Um, so I'd signed to coach New South Wales Cup there for 2023, uh, and that was all done deal. And myself and the football staff there started planning the pre-season, got a fair way down the line. Uh, yeah, even with players and programs and staff and all that sort of stuff and yeah for whatever reason the Mounties board decided that they didn't want to go in New South Wales Cup without a NRL feeder because our contract situation had finished with Canterbury and Canterbury obviously put their own New South Wales Cup in this year uh, which yeah put us in a difficult situation at Mounties but that's nothing that most people within New South Wales Cup and in and around those competitions wouldn't already know uh, so I think, I don't know whether, it surely can't be because of the results, because I think we, most people would agree that we significantly overachieved considering that we didn't have a NRL feeder. We were the only team in New South Wales Cup without a feeder and we finished a long way off the bottom of the competition and won eight games and yeah, put it to, put it to a lot of teams. Uh, so yeah, they they came back and said we're going to pull out of 
New South Wales Cup. Um, so I had a decision to make. I could either go back and coach a Ron Massey Cup or I could um, look look elsewhere. And, yeah, I made a decision to uh, step away from Mounties and relinquish my position there. Um, no, certainly no hard feelings. The club were great. Like, I, I, I love my time there. And uh, Darren Borthwick, as you said earlier, he moved to Canberra. He got a job as the NRLW coach and he was the head of performance at Mounties, full-time employee. Chris Hutchison, who was the head of football there, he's also been employed by the Canberra Raiders as uh, he's got a role in pathway. So I guess there's going to be a lot of changes at Mounties for next year. Um, and, yeah, I guess, you know, myself as the New South Wales Cup coach, Hutch as the head of, head of coaching and the Rugby League Administrator, plus Darren moving away. Then they've stepped out of New South Wales Cup um, yeah, it was just the right time, I think, for me to look elsewhere. And um, yeah, I had a had a few irons in the fire and a few chats with different clubs, but I'm I'm going to move to Manly, so I'm going to uh, be the assistant coach at uh, Blacktown, which is nice and close to home, which is where the New South Wales Cup team is based, and that's where we train Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so yeah, it's obviously a nicer. Shorter drive, and I, I will miss Mounties. I'll miss Timmy. I'll miss um, his beautiful partner, and yeah, all the people at people at Mounties. It was um, yeah disappointing to for that to end, but I guess another door opened. So that's sort of where I'm situated situated at the moment. I um, I interviewed for a couple of NRL assistant coaching jobs, and unfortunately didn't get one, didn't land one, but um, good experience nonetheless. So. Yeah, that's sort of my situation. Uh, and that was going to be the plan for me anyway. Like we'd spoken with, if Mick Potter had stayed on, he was going to be New South Wales Cup head coach and I was going to move into the role this year of New South Wales Cup assistant coach. So that's where I find myself. Just I don't find myself in that position at Mounties. I find myself in that position at Manly or Blacktown Workers Seagulls, as they're called. And Greg Bullos is the head coach there who... Uh, spent some time at Parramatta, spent some time at the Warriors. Uh, a lot of people probably know him from Westfield Sports High, good operator, so it's only me and him. Uh, I'm going to look after the attack, he's going to look after the fence. And yeah, we started, I started there last week. I think they've been they've been training now for four weeks, so I came on a little bit later because obviously there was a lot of moving parts with, with me and I was, yeah, had some other things uh, to work through, some other opportunities and interviews and potential jobs so yeah it's been a busy and crazy time but that's where I'm at at the moment there you go so New South Wales Cup uh, with Manly this year or the Blacktown side of it which is linked with Manly yeah so we're hoping to Greg and myself are hoping to get to one NRL session a week which will be unreal obviously we'll need the blessing of um, Anthony Seabold and the, and the staff there to get along to it but that's sort of where our head's at uh, and yeah, look, looking after the New South Wales Cup. Who, yeah, let's face it, they didn't, they didn't have the greatest year this year, and that, you know, the reasons for that, um, I think we'll just leave as, as it was for this year, and we're sort of trying to look forward and improve the program as best we know how by you know looking forward and controlling the things that we can control, not looking at, you know, what was and no, and again, what it was this year, and uh, is anyone specifically to blame and I don't think there's no point 
pointing the finger. That's just not how I operate. So, no. Um, I, res- I fully respect the staff that were there this year that did the job there this year because I know it's it's difficult at that level uh, to coach any team, whether it's you know whether you've got the Panthers or whether you've got you know Blacktown or you know Mounties. We we certainly weren't in a uh, a position. We were in a position of strength because we were happy and cohesive and things were going well. But you know was quite clear that we, we didn't have the player power without an NRL feed to win a competition. So I think that's probably where the Mounties board have landed. Like they I guess their mentality would have been, why are we going to enter a competition that we can't win? And I, I can understand that because it's a lot of money to invest in that competition and it's a lot of resources to put into something that, you know, if you look at it and you think, well, realistically, without an NRL feed, we're not going to be able to win that competition. I... Completely understand and respect that angle and that view, but I've also got myself to look after. And uh, the best thing for my career and at this point in time, I think, is I need to be at New South Wales Cup level. So that's that's the decision that I personally had to make. So that's where we're at. Mm. So there you go. I'm looking forward to it. Like it's it's unreal. Like I get in the car here and I'm there in 12, 13 minutes. Where going to Mounties one way it was 35 minutes so it was 70 minutes in the car per training session now it's half an hour if that so it's an extra sort of 40 minutes that you throw into each of those days which it all makes a makes a difference when you've got a young family and a yeah, full-time well. job and a pregnant wife and a lot of things that, that are going on at the moment so well that's what I was about to say Tom I think the other side like we said before we're not full-time at this we're not full-time in rugby league we have full-time jobs and you've obviously got a family I don't at this point in time but you've also got a third kid on the way so um, in terms of that sort of thing it's any sort of time gained is a positive yeah because like you said you, I mean you've got more commitments and a, a bit going on or any of those sort of areas where you can get time back it's it's all valuable so yeah because I, I, I stepped away from Mounties without another job yeah I didn't have another job I'd had a few nibbles but um in my head, I my contract was done. I I knew what I was doing, so I wasn't I wasn't looking for another job. I was very very happy in the job that I was in. So I got yeah. The only the only difficult part in all this was how late I guess we were told. Yeah, and then it was very late. A lot of a lot of teams had already finalised their staff. So they finalised their head coaches. They would recruited. They done all that stuff. So I feel pretty lucky and pretty lucky to have got. A job in the same competition, even though I think I'm quite capable of doing the job and doing it well, I yeah I do feel yeah grateful for the opportunity that I've been been afforded. So well again I can say what I want because I'm not affiliated with any clubs and I'm always going to sound biased you because my brother, but I still think clubs are fucked up not only on you um, but others in terms of again the hiring cycle this year whether it be cup coaches, assistants, NRL assistants or NRL roles. I still think there was a lot of people again and. Uh, I can say that because I'm not affiliated and I don't really give a fuck. Uh, but they're just hire people that shouldn't have these jobs. And you're, you're not the only one. I'm not just saying that because of you. There's others out there, I think, that have done, again, more apprenticeships or better things across the game that should see these opportunities. But similar deal, the recycling happened again. So uh, I have no doubt you'll succeed and thrive in the role that you've got. And who knows what lies ahead. Like we said, it's a little bit disappointing, I guess, with the Mountie side of thing that like you said, just the group and everything was so good that if maybe they bit down on the mouth guard and took that hit for another 12 months, if they did find a feeder or something out there, that maybe that could have been a real path forward. But you've got to respect Look, the decision my, that they made. My gut is 
my gut feel is that the feeder nature of New South Wales Cup is uh, is dying. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I see it changing. Dying. Penrith and a few, I think, have shown the way if you invest and run properly um, that, that it can be done. So mm. more clubs seem to be heading that way. We've seen the roosters. For someone, for someone like Manly, though, I, like I see why they go yeah, to that. that because that's a, yeah, that's... And it's a feed and it's a opportunity and Penrith were obviously very strict. I don't know if the rules are the same now, but a few years ago, they basically told anyone that was playing there at Manly, you're not playing in the Penrith comp and yeah, I'm not sure how go to Manly. Like, so, but for Manly, it's probably a, it's a necessity because when you're not producing juniors, not only is it a pathway, it's also a help as well. Yeah, uh, Roosters for a while, similar deal, not a big junior base, so having a feeder or somewhere to put players is a different story, but under Robinson, mm. he sort of brought it into the 21st century. They've got more with targeted recruitment, junior development, this, that, and the other, where they've looked at a North, saw that situation now, and said, well, we don't need that anymore. We can do it ourselves. Yeah. We want it all in-house, which is fair enough, because they want to control everything, and at that sort of level, to have that sort of success, you need to have that. Canberra took theirs on board a couple of years ago from Mounties, not because the the Mounties club situation, I think theirs was purely the distance and where they were, and it's hard for them to have a feeder where they were located. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you've seen a lot of clubs sort of take that. Parramatta took it back. Penrith took it back. Um yeah, I think... Well, the, Penrith were one of the first to do it, and that the, was... You, we're you, talking about Phil Gould. Yeah. That you, was one of the first things he did. Your last few clubs that are left over that might be a little bit nervous purely on the funding side of things. I know Norse want to go back into the NRL, but on their own, I'll be interested to see how that goes. And then you've got a new town who, again, their existence basically relies on having someone who needs a feeder. Look, I think Norse, Norse would have looked at how we went and took solace in that because we essentially stood alone this year because mm. we got you know, Tui Katoa... That was it. Zach Hetherington, uh, who Hetherington, you know, he had well, a lot of injuries. He was full time. He had a lot. Of, well, yeah, no, he was full time. He had a lot of injuries, and his availability was, was he top quite, 30? quite limited. I think it was development. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's full time, but he's yeah. not top. 30. He was training full time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah it, All right. Well, congratulations on that. Um, again, no doubt there'll be success, and hopefully, that's uh, you know another foot in the door or, or another situation where someone can hopefully... Well, I, don't, I don't really stress about that stuff anymore. Like, I just think, well, do I want to do the job? I, I was quite comfortable to not do anything. Uh, it wouldn't have been ideal, but I was quite no. comfortable to just not not coach. If the right opportunity didn't come up, I was that's what I was happy to do. But, yeah, I'm, this opportunity feels right, so we'll see how we go. 100%. Again, I think, uh, as usual, I'm biased, but there'll be success and you'll do great in whatever you choose to do. Um, last couple we got here, Rick Cudahy says, which marquee players do you think the Dolphins should target for either 23 or 24? Well, Any and all. Well, for 23, the time's limited and what's available is limited. So unless they're getting someone to break a contract at this point, um, or unless you mean signing in 23, for 24, in 24, for 25, but... In terms of what's available right now, there was obviously the rumours around, you know, that they'd sniffed around Dane Mariner and trying to get him to break his Broncos contract or if Tessie comes on the market. Your options right now are limited and they've still got three or four spots to fill. So at this yeah. point in time, you're not going to get a big name, but if you can get someone who's young enough, got some quality and, and has some room left for development, I, I take Brock's opinion. You just take whatever you can get. Um, in terms of years forward, if you're saying 20, to sign this year for 24 well, your obvious ones are, again, are halves because to me, O'Sullivan's a good player, but he's a temporary plug-in. 
Milford to me is similar to what we talked about before. He's on the decline, then you look against quality opposition like the game against Australia defensively, he's not a long term option. So whether they look at a Brown or a Moses, like the, the sort of the options I've looked at that were available, the two sort of names that stood out to me for opportunity, development, and age. If you want to go for a big marquee half, I'd be looking at Dylan Brown. Probably more so than Moses just because of the time you've got left. If you're going to go for a younger guy for opportunity, ability, and potential, I said it last year, I think Trindle won't stay at Cronulla for any longer if he's not going to see an opportunity after this year. Yeah. So I'd, from the Dolphins, I'd be ringing Braden Trindle's manager and harassing him all this season. Mm. And if he's not getting an opportunity by the back end of the year over Moylan or the year after that, considering they've given him a couple of year extension or if they're looking at Ryan River, who they've got in their system, well, I think Trindle's too good to be playing New South Wales Cup at this point. Um yeah, other guys, Flegler, I'm sure they'll have a look at in terms of forwards. Radley's coming off, Nelson's coming off, Fafita's coming off. There's going to be a bunch of guys like that. Nanai, they'll look for Marquis in all spots. We know they're interested in Herbie. The year after that, 24, there's some huge names on the market. Like, they missed it on Carrigan. They talked about Haas, Hudson Young, Joseph Manu. Like, there's going to be plenty of guys. Young guys like Amone, Taruva, Dearden. Like, they need players in each, any, and all positions in it. I can't simplify it or bracket it in because more what we even talked about, Brock, when you look at their contracts, almost nobody of what they've signed so far has been given more than two years for a reason. <laughs> because they're essentially going, well, we've only had 12 months to fucking put this together. We're basically going to have to take what we can take. Let's get some young guys. Let's get some older veterans. We've only given a couple of three-year deals to a few real key pillars who, again, your Bromwiches and that, more so not on their ability at this point, but what they can bring in terms of culture, accountability, and establishing a club. Yeah. They haven't given out many three-year deals at all. Most of the contracts are one- and two-year deals because they know that by year three and four, more than half of this roster is going to be turned over again. The ones that they have hope for that they got are taking a gamble on a guy like Isaiah Katoa or picking up your young development guys or your players that you've signed as established junior guys like a Valence Tavaro who played in Cup or your Bostocks that you're poaching from other clubs, and etc. They're the kind of guys they're looking at hoping that by year two and three, they're part of their top 30. But I think essentially to start with, it was just getting a team together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all positions, any positions, they're going to be looking for quality and they're going to turn over. By year three, you're not even going to recognize this side, in my opinion. That's going to be a huge turnover. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, I still think they need three or four right now. So they, they might have to just take whatever's left over. Like you got to tap out a few guys that still haven't found clubs. Maybe, you know, they have to sign three or four guys just to make sure they meet their quota or the requirements of a top 30. But um, second party as you, what do you think about the Cowboys? What do they have to do to be contenders over the next few seasons? Well, they've certainly got the door open. Um, they need to develop a little bit more on what they do with their spine. I think this year did and took some steps forward, but he needs to continue to grow. So they don't have to rely on Townsend as much. Robson probably has to add a little bit more to his game in terms of running and the physicality and defense. He's fine. Probably needs a little bit more in terms of his craft. I mean, I think Drinkwater showed that he can be very consistent across the year, but I guess when you have success with a bunch of young guys, it's just seeing everyone take a step forward. They yeah. played finals football, they play rep football, so it's now looking at all those guys to go along with your veterans, like your Tamalolos, your Townsends, your Hikus and all that that led the way to not only play as good a football as what they did, but play it more consistently and take another step forward. So yeah. whether that be a Nenai, whether that be, um, you know, some of your other young blokes that, that made their debuts, your Griffin names off the bench, Helium Luki off the injuries. If all those guys take a step forward, they were literally should have been in the grand final. They really let themselves down in that game, but they were 
moments away from playing in the grand final. So, uh, I yeah, think the window... No, exactly. The window is a jar. It's, it's where they go from here. It's purely health and how they develop as a group. But right now, the door's open. If yeah. they do the right things, probably in the next 12 to 18 months. And in terms of decisions next year, salary cap and player-wise, when I talk about a guy like Nenai, the decision is, do you want to play for a really, really good football team in a good situation right now, or do you want money? Which is why I think a lot of these guys will stay probably shorter term uh, for the next year or two and try and capitalise on that. Um, but in terms of what they lost, what they've brought in, they're in a very good position. Yeah. Um, and again, their Cowboys Academy is really, really good. They're pushing more guys up. A few more of them sprout through and it keeps you in a position where I reckon probably the next two years is their time to strike. And the last one we got here, Tynan Jones. Should origin eligibility be tweaked for T1 Nations? I say no. Um, I saw a bit of this today about, you know... Well, for on-field, if, if, if you're talking about on-field, then, like, yeah. Well, because if, we've, if, got, we've got more T1 Nations in terms of what they can do on the field. Well, they've confirmed, I think, but, basically today from the International Rugby League Chairman, Troy Grant, that Samara and Tonga won't be T1, and it's more for the points that we've made. It's, it's not a matter of just getting guys can't do it to commit who have it. It's, it's what happens in their countries. It's participation, it's governance, it's structure, it's what they're producing, and... They don't have that. So, but T1 nations currently now are us, England, and New Zealand. So, no. Like, I, if you bring the floodgates down and go, all right, you can now pick Jason Tumblr. Like, that's really, to me, diluting it. Like, people complaining, like, you can't send these guys in the media about a, a Toto or a Crichton who were born and raised in Mount Druitt playing, but they have parents who have a heritage for once in every four year event. When Australia, if you say you can all only play for Australia, we'll just fucking destroy everyone and ruin the whole point of World Cup. I don't understand why it was such a big issue. And then they proved the point. Why we have so much depth and talent. We won the World Cup still. Mm. Did it, it To me, it doesn't hurt origin for that to happen once every four years. If you want to really turn it into a joke, it's let Radley change his mind now and play for England, but you can also play origin. And oh, you know what? Tamalolo, you qualify for Queensland as well now because of the rules of when you move there and Tier 1 Nation no longer counts. So in the 13-year-old or whatever rule that is, or being there before 13, you can play for... Queensland, then you can play for New Zealand. I don't agree with that. Yeah, but in terms of our tier two, it's murky, man. Category, I I don't see why those teams like a Tonga and a Samoa move. Well, when you look again. at the criteria, they just don't meet it. No, and a lot of it is. There's only a handful that field. do, but like to make all those changes, what for two or three guys? I just yeah. Whether that be well, you're yeah. making all those changes for the result of one game essentially. Hmm. And again, I don't. I still don't see our long term. Polynesian players or Pacifica players kills the origin concept. I know a lot were eligible this year, but they're eligible on their background and their heritage. Mm. And it's again for the for the integrity of the World Cup. I, there was still some huge scorelines, but if you would have told some of those guys from Samoa or Tonga that take it or leave it, you can't play Origin or whatever again, and that would have deterred some of them. Those yeah. teams are not even part of the story here. Well, Engl- England would have easily won that side of the draw. We would have played New Zealand and had a hard game and it would have been a joke the whole way through. The fact that Tonga and Samoa were able to do what they've done under these eligibility rules, again, for once in a four-year event, I have no problem with it. Mm. I don't think it hurts it that much. And again, say what you will, Australia still won the World Cup and we're going to continue to produce as many players as anyone and be sustainable for all those reasons they talk about being a tier one nation. Well, yeah, that's right. We should never be in a position where we can't put a field on the team that should be... Team on the the favourite or close to? Yeah. Plain and simple. In the short term, yeah. Yeah. Or mid to short term. So for now, I, I don't have a huge problem with it. 20 years' time, that might be a bit, bit different. 
Yeah, and that comes down to, again, whether those guys develop more, we develop less, like if the balance changes. But for now, I don't see it as a big threat. So I'm more than happy for once in every four years if you meet the criteria for those tier two nations to strengthen the competition as a whole rather than us stockpile everybody and have yeah. you know, the 10 best wingers, the 10 best of this and that, and you have no choice. You can't go to play in the World Cup. Yeah, It's a World Cup for a reason. So there you go. That wraps us up. That's all our fan questions. That's any the World Cup final review or sort of chat about that and any of the NRL news before we round out. It's the end of November. It's fairly late, like we said, just with what's happened the last few years and plus the World Cup on top. Our return will be similar to what it always is, sort of that gap between uh, you know the trial games and in between the season once we've sort of settled squads, injuries, issues and everything for our big preview. So probably a, a two-and-a-half-month sort of break before we jump back into it. Yeah. And again, uh, always a busy time of year. Football starts back up, pre-season, etc. So necessary to have a break. Um, but before we close things out, I've got to give a huge wrap, as always, to everyone that supports the show. So probably the big two to start off with, Penrith Solar Centre, Jake and the crew there, uh, long-term supporters of the show. Big thank you again for supporting us this year, um, for supporting us, like I said, out there. If you're looking for quality solar solutions, there is no one better. If you're looking to invest in yourself, your family, and your back pocket, call Jake and the crew there. Visit the website, www penrithsolar.com.au or call 820-2930 today. Um, they do a hell of a job and I'm telling you there is no one better. They're absolute quality. Uh, to bluebet.com.au Massive thank you for them. Um, we've had, like we said, associations in the past with betting companies and with the hope, again, that we can use it as a positive because we love having a chat about betting and the football in general and a lot of people like having a punt but also to try and advantage another situation which we've been able to do um, charity-wise. And we've done it again this year with Bears of Hope. We had them last year and we've had the Shepherd Centre in the past and the Guide Dogs Association. We've been able to, you know, put some of that coin to good use from a big corporation to some very good causes. So have to give them a huge thank you for supporting us uh, in that endeavour. And Simon in particular, who's uh, the one who got us on board and sort of pushed that barrel. So a huge thank you to him and bluebet.com.au. If you are going to have a bet with anyone, there is no one better to do it within the true blue Aussie bookie. Visit the website today or download the app. Bears of Hope, uh, again, close to $1,000. Donate to them again, Boxhead. Something obviously close uh, to your heart and our family. Yeah. And a bit of an effect there. So always yep. great, like we said. And we've ever had a few inboxes, not naming names from people that have been affected in that situation. It's terrible. Um, it's, again, very worthy causes. We've had recommendations for all sorts. Wish you could do more for uh, lots of causes, but there's plenty of worthy ones out there, and that's certainly one bears of hope um, for infancy and pregnancy loss. So happy we could help them out. I'll probably have to give a quick apology and also a little bit of a thank you to hijack.tv and Anthony and the crew there. I know we sort of chatted at the start of the year, and our situation changed. I didn't really get to talk to them a lot, or we didn't get to really push on with that, but that that's just life. It's something that we're going to have a run out and commentate in some games, and Give well, it a run, but yeah. the weekends were filled up once we... Good luck. I didn't see my family. Nah, between massive cup, full-time work. So uh, that's something, again, we can sort of look at maybe down the road, but uh, that's just life, unfortunately. But again, if you're out there, if you feel like you can throw yourself behind the microphone and commentate or interested in any other sports, the app is there, hijack.tv. Get it on the Google and Apple stores. You can be the one calling the action on a selection of sports that you'd like at any time. Get your friends, family, whoever to follow along if you like to jibber, especially like I do. Um, so thank you to them. Acast for hosting and being 
our platform uh, for the last couple of years. They've been good, giving us a good base, easy to use, easy to navigate website. Everything's positive there. I hope it's been easier for everybody on that side of things. And then I always get to the two most important things. So uh, the two most important people that I always have to thank, uh, the fans, you guys who listen, because again, if uh, you don't listen or we get to a point where things are on the decline or it feels like it's not worth it or there's not interest, we wouldn't do the show, but that's not the case. So without you, there is no show. The fact you're willing to listen to us too, Jibber, and particularly me, because I just fucking talk way too much. Um, it's extremely appreciated. We're just two guys that love rugby league and I love talking about the game and the fact that there's people out there that are as passionate or want to hear you know, us talk about it in, in the way that we do and go a bit more in depth or address different parts of the game or different layers of the game. It's... Uh, it's enjoyable, and again, it's it's gotten harder. I must admit, over the time, similar deal with age and work and, and changing situation, but still really enjoy doing it. And I hope everyone else out there still enjoys it and why you do. And hopefully, uh, you do continue to, and we continue to grow. We we can keep doing it. Yeah. And the last one's Brock, because again, without you, I'd be fucking talking to myself. So to me, you're the most important person for the fifth and last to exist because without your ears bleeding every week and some of the bullshit that I talk and some of the things that I say which don't always make sense and definitely aren't right uh, this show doesn't exist so again you're my brother you're my best friend I love you to death and uh, without you again it'd just be me fucking talking to a microphone and at the best of times I can talk the paint off walls and I can talk to myself while I'm in the car and we know as our, one of our dear nuns who passed away this said I could talk under wet concrete with a mouthful of marbles but honestly I couldn't do it without you yeah, and I wouldn't want to a, do it. Yeah, a difficult year, but a good year. Mm. And I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else because, again, um, I don't place, you know, my opinion. Again, I'm not saying that no one else, but I don't have any more respect for anyone around football and the way I've grown up with you, obviously being my brother and my best mate. But in terms of your IQ, your thoughts on the game and talking football, there's no one I love talking football more than with you. Yeah. Um, and probably just to close out in a different sort of sense of light, and you said it before, it has been a crazy year, but. My highlight of the year, and I probably didn't say it enough to you at the time, but I did say I was proud of you and everything at the time. My highlight of the year this year was you getting the opportunity that you got. Um, I thought it was overdue, well-deserved, and like I said before, I, it, I could say whatever I'm wrong because I'm not associated with the club, so I don't give a fuck. But in, in the long term, I think clubs miss the boat with a lot of good people because they're not willing to go outside groups or recycle coaches, this, that, and the other. And I, I still have my thought that someday, at some point, someone's going to give you that chance or give you that opportunity to go full time and then they're never going to look back and you're going to get that opportunity and I will be sitting here talking to myself which is fine with me because for that reason yeah, um, I think it's well deserved and I think you will get there and I'm still adamant and think that way and again it's easy for me to say because I'm your brother but I also like to think again being a player being someone who's been at clubs and been around enough footy as well that I have enough fucking intelligence to see somebody that I think should be uh, full time and involved in a club so uh, I still have that hope and ambition for it. I'm, I really. Yeah, I'm. I'm young in the industry. I'm 35, 36. So, mm. but this yeah, year, I'm happy with where I'm at. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, it was a good opportunity, and we went fucking awesome. Mm. We, we went really good. So. Like I said, I, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have done any more in the position I was in, uh, and a lot of that, like a lot of that, came down to the, the players. We changed a lot of things and. That I thought were yeah, but you've also got to take. You also got to put yourself in that position and take advantage of. It. And again, I yeah, I was there in a different role, and then I like I said, I was more than happy to travel around a little bit more, or try and make some time around work and this that, and come see you do what you do because I like I said, I think you're fucking excellent at what you do, and I really enjoyed watching you get the opportunity to do what you did. And 
thought that you'd have success and in my eyes, like you said, overall for that club, you did. So yeah, we did. I'm, we did. Hoping I, yeah. I'm hoping there's more to come. But again, I think for me, I love doing this show. I love a lot of things that are going on in life. But my highlight of this year, honestly, was getting to see um, that opportunity finally come for you. So uh, Yeah, it was cool. That was, was cool. great. I, I, yeah, I've got to thank. Well, the board, like I've, I spoke about what the board, sort of the decision they made post the season, but during the season, they had no no issue at all with me taking over from Mick and Chris Hutch and Bortho and everyone at Mounties backed me to the hilt. So um, it was good to good to prove them right, I think. Uh, that was that was the biggest thing. And for the players to prove um, some NRL clubs wrong in the fact that they've been overlooked and a lot of them have now gone on to train and trial opportunities, which is, yeah, that's the best part of the job. The best part of the job is to have a player come to you and say, I'm going to go and do an NRL process. And that's, that's success as a coach because you've progressed them to the highest level. So, 100%. Yeah, I just want to see them do well and hopefully see a few boys make their NRL debut this year. It'll be, be really cool. Outstanding. So there you go. Like I said, my two biggest thank yous are always at the end. And it's, again, uh, I've got to thank you because without you, this concept doesn't float. You backed me in when I said I wanted to give this a run off the back of you put me under Bill Simmons and a few things at the time thinking this would be a good idea post-playing. Um, and I really enjoy it. Like I said, the, the situation has changed over the years. But the one time a week where around the work and the madness of life and trying to find time, I get to have dinner with you and, you know, my godchildren, nieces, nephews and hang out and we talk footy and all that it's the height of my week it always has been it always will be and then like I said just the coaching side of things seeing you that this year was great and obviously again last time again I don't fucking repeat myself over and over again fans listeners again you're the reason we do this so um, I know at times it's late or people talk about sound quality or energy like again this is free we got full time jobs I'm not trying to make fucking excuses but just understand again we, we do this every week because we love it and you love it and that's the reason we keep doing it so um, stick with us Keep supporting us, spread the word. Anyone that loves football, you know, get on the retweets, get on the shares, do some more of that stuff. Spread the word about the fifth and last NRL podcast. Get it into people that love rugby league and spread that around. Um, yeah, thank you very much again for supporting two blokes who just love rugby league. Toodaloo. Have a great uh, Christmas to you. There you go. Thank you, Bluebet. Thank you, Penner of Solar. Hijack, Acast, Boxhead, and you, the listeners out there, all done and dusted. I can't say enjoy your week, enjoy your rugby league, because there is no football for now. But what I can say is enjoy your Christmas, enjoy your New Year's, any time off. I hope everyone is safe, sound, and has uh, some time with their friends, family, and loved ones. Fire up over that break, get hungry, and we'll return bigger and better in 2023. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 